Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Liberty, it's a feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we are into the second hour. And you have found the Barbecue Central show. It's a show that talks about barbecue and grilling stuff. If you missed the first hour, don't worry about it. You can go back and get the podcast about an hour from now or later. All day tomorrow. First hour. Thursday. Second hour. Best of show. Friday. We'll get to that. This segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Still to come on the show this evening, Sean Ludwig and Ryan Cooper from The Smoke Sheet. We will learn all about them and how they got started in their barbecue journeys and how they came to start The Smoke Sheet. We may or may not hit on some hot topics as well, so stay tuned for that starting at about uh, 11 or 12 minutes from now. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook, which is where you can also find a video feed of the show. Also, video feeds go to YouTube Live, so if you don't want to wait for a podcast dump, You can get the whole video archive of the show, both on my Facebook show page and on the YouTube show page, which technically is youtube.com slash RD, like Romeo Delta, RD, Rempe. Don't ask about that. Coming up this Friday, as I had mentioned, we have a new Best Moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, episode 94. We are six weeks away from celebrating 100 episodes. And we are going strong, and by we, I, of course, mean John Solberg putting together these shows. He's the EP of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. So we are well on our way to 100 episodes. Thank you for listening. It's a very popular downloaded show in the barbecue realm, believe it or not. It has grown to be one of the most popular barbecue podcasts out there from download numbers. And I've done a lot of due diligence on download numbers and who gets what and where the numbers are and who's really a star of podcasting and who isn't. And I'm here to tell you that the Barbecue Central show and its landscapes and properties on the interwebs, we are bona fide stars. And that's no bullshit. The average podcast out of whatever it is, 750,000 podcasts 
ranging from the most popular of stars all the way down to the dregs of society. The average podcast. I'm going to give you a stat right now that's going to blow your mind. The average podcast at release all the way out until forever, amen, 125 downloads. That's the average. If you hit 125 downloads on Johnny Douchebag's podcast, here's my latest episode, if you hit 125, you're average. Can you believe that? 125. We are so far above the average. I can't believe. That's why I say when it comes to podcasting here at the Barbecue Central Show, we are bona fide superstars. Superstars. I couldn't believe it when I saw that the average podcast was 125. <laughs> Why are you even wasting your time? Just talk to the wall. That's about how many people are listening. What's the difference between 125 people and talking to a wall? I uh, Not much difference. And it's a lot less money to invest to get up and running. Talking to a wall. Save the money on the microphones and the mixers and the computer screens and the stupid sound effects and all this other crap. Talk to your wall. Save your cash. Get about get 124 less downloads on every new show when you talk to your wall. And your wallet will thank me later. 125? <laughs> wow, we. Anyway. Episode 94, best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. We'll bring you back to October 20th, 2010, nine years ago. Pitmaster of then Tippy Canoe Barbecue Crew, Joe Beelan, show legend. He joined me and we were talking about making the trip to what was then his uh, pending travel to the Jack Daniels World Barbecue Championship. Joe was a great guest. Uh, doesn't really compete too much anymore. But come on. Great guest. of uh, One of the best guests of all time. And really, uh, during his stint in competition barbecue, one of the most winningest pitmasters and teams out there in his time. And a, another one of those uh, Iowa teams, I believe. In the second portion, we talked to one of my favorite guests ever, semi-recurring Ted Reader, barbecue master, master planker, man who loves to have himself a drink or 10, Ted Reader. And he visited with me and we talked about cold weather grilling because at that point things were turning for the worst. And we also talked about a upcoming trip he was getting ready to make to Mexico. And you know Ted loves Mexico. Anything goes down there. Plus access to all sorts of tequila and great stuff. So that's what you have to look forward to this coming Friday. 
on the best moments of the barbecue central show, 10 minutes or less. Uh, here's this. A barbecue central show exclusive news update. This is Greg Rempe reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's not as breaking as it was last week when I found out about it because I wasn't in town to do the show. But if you are a fan of the pit barrel cooker and more specifically, if you were a fan of the Pit Barrel Jr., but you ordered it and then they pulled it off the shelves, guess what? It is re-released for sale. Here we go. If you've yearned to get your hands on the Pit Barrel Jr., you are able to do that now when you go to pitbarrelcooker.com. It is $229 until October 23rd, so you have a little over a week until that would be next Wednesday, if my math is correct, to get that special price. I think you're saving 40 bucks or something like that right now on your uh, back-to-introductory pricing. Again, it's 229 bucks. Now, this is the Pit Barrel Jr., so it's 14-inch versus the traditional 18 and one-half inches on the traditional Pit Barrel Cooker. And again, that website is pitbarrelcooker.com. I had a lot of people texting me and messaging me uh, through the course of the year saying, I was really looking forward to Pit Barrel Jr., and I put an order in, and then all of a sudden they took orders away, and blah, 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 and what happened? Do you know any? Of course, I know everything that happened. I know the owner of Pit Barrel Cook. Uh-oh. I know exactly what's going on. Do you think they would put out a product that they weren't going to be happy with? Of course not. Things needed to be adjusted. Things had to be right. And now things are right. They are happy with the finished product. And now it is being re-released. Come on. Of course I know what's going on. Pit Barrel Jr. is out for sale. Get it if you want it. It's all good. 14 inches again outside of the uh, traditional 18 and a half inch Pit Barrel Cooker. Again, pitbarrelcooker.com. Also. Many of you asked about Angel Todd and her finish at the State Cookoff Association's World Championship uh, a little over a week ago. On the Saturday Cook, this was me emailing her saying, hey, did we win World Championship? On the Saturday Cook, she got 28th out of 46 teams. Now, in that pod of 46, 10 of those, 10 plus, finished in the overall top 10 of the whole World Championships. Can you believe that? So she turned around the following day. So they closed business on 2019 Saturday. They reopened for the 2020 season the next day. And she got 74th out of 143 teams. So two solid cooks for Angel Todd. And we wish her good luck as she continues throughout the 2020 season. And if some news and notable items pop up as it relates to her, we'll have her back on the show. She's hitting her groove, her stride now, being a two-time guest appearer. But that's solid, man. Overall world food champion, or uh, state cook-off world championship, middle of the pack, 28 out of 46, and then right back in that middle, 74th out of 143 teams. Wow. Good job, Angel. All right, before we get to the smoke sheet, guys, I talked to you about the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of this show, of course, always believing that outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be. 
especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control with greater freedom with automatic temperature controllers. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master with minimal effort. You now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. If you have a Barbecue Guru controller already and you get the Monolith, please, you can use that controller on the Monolith. Hook it directly to the fan. Easy stuff. If you have any questions, you go to the website, barbecue, uh, bbqguru.com. Sorry, that's bbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're back with the smoke sheet right after this. Stick around. Show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. That's right. Nothing better than some Smithfield fresh pork. Love the ribs, love the pork butts, love the pork tenderloins. Finding them at Giant Eagle, where I live, also in the big box stores. Oh, man. Smithfield is great. Don't forget to check out their barbecue website, Smokin, S-M-O-K-I-N, SmokinWithSmithfield.com. And don't forget about that world championship coming up here very shortly as well. All right, my guests in the second hour are doing the down and dirty work of barbecue journalism. Sounds glamorous, but, but, there's no way this is happening again. I mean, I'm just not allowing this Skype machine to ruin my life because I just want to go absolutely bonkers all over the top. There's no reason that we should be having these kind of errors. Oh, boy. Oh, come on. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. I'm just getting through this here. One time in the show, fine. Twice, unacceptable. I, I now I'm going to have to figure out a way to potentially work around it. Or maybe find out if it's my machine. Heaven forbid it's my machine. Oh, that would be the worst. Uh, anyway, my guest in the second hour doing the down and dirty work of barbecue journalism. Sounds glamorous, but there's a lot of travel expense and then time to write and post. Why do you get into barbecue and why did they decide to get into covering it? Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. Find out. I welcome first-timers of the show, Sean Ludwig and Ryan Cooper. Dudes, thanks for joining me 
And uh, I will, let's say, call out names, I guess, so we don't start uh, talking all over each other and make for a nice audio experience. So we'll get some background on you guys first before we jump into some barbecue stuff. Sean, let's start with you because I've met you in person first. Um, Absolutely. uh, Thanks for having us. Yeah. A little background on you uh, personally, professionally, where you're living, and uh, then we'll go over to Ryan. Sure thing. Um, I live in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm sad that when you visited New York recently, you did not say hi. <laughs> Feel a little a little insulted. Please but, do. Uh, you know, you know. Uh, you know what? You made it to Katz's at least. You know, you didn't like do nothing. You at least made it to Katz's, so I appreciate that. You know, in my defense, uh, in my defense, uh, I would like to say that it wasn't um, a sightseeing vacation opportunity. <laughs> I was merely playing chaperone and uh, and uh, providing financial resources and muscle for my daughter. I think that's absolutely fair. Yes, I did see Brooklyn from the top of the Empire State Building. I thought I saw you. I did give a shout out, but. I don't know if you heard me, but I, I did try my best. That's all good. Um, <laughs> I've, I've lived in Brooklyn for uh, about 11 years. I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. So when it comes to barbecue and learning about barbecue, Kansas City was my home base. And uh, when I moved to New York, I moved three days after I graduated from the University of Missouri. And uh, I started missing barbecue. So I started seeking out good barbecue in New York City. And uh, from that journey, I eventually started photographing and writing about barbecue. And I've been doing that in uh, in New York for about four years. Was there quite a dearth of uh, barbecue availability 12 years ago? I think that there was some availability. The thing, it's been an ebb and flow of some good places have have gone, and we've lost some of those good places, and the new great places have have shot up out of the ground. And uh, it's been actually surprisingly good. I think when I first moved to New York, I didn't expect there to be that much good barbecue, and then over time, kept being continually surprised by how much good barbecue was to be had in New York. And I started telling other people about it. Uh, Sean, it seems like a huge jump to go from uh, Missouri. Uh, you leave, uh, have your degree, and then say, okay, let's go to New York City. I mean, that's a pretty big leap. Did you have a job already lined up, or you were like, hey, it's the Big Apple, and I'm going to go take my bite? I actually feel like if I didn't have, a, I had a paid internship set up. And if I didn't have that paid internship, I think it would have been too difficult to make that jump. I mean, I know some trust fund kids out there have, you know, can can deal with, uh, you know, uh, having a, an unpaid internship in New York City, but I could not. So uh, I studied journalism at the University of Missouri. It's a very good journalism program, one of the top in the country, and I wanted to study journalism. So if you're going to, you know, if you were going to go all out for journalism, where, where do you go? New York, right? And um, it's the media capital of the United States. And I wanted to give it a shot. I gave it a shot. And um, the journey has been one very weird journey. And uh, ultimately, now I'm doing barbecue journalism. So I think the journey's uh, done me well. All right. uh, Now we'll uh, race over to Ryan, get a little background on you. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. You bet. So my background is actually a little bit different. I'm uh, I'm a geographer for the National Park Service, and I live in Omaha, Nebraska, mm. and I work for the Lewis and Clark Trail, making maps for the national parks. So uh, I guess I got really into this barbecue thing a couple of years ago. I mean, I grew up in Kansas City, so barbecue's always been part of my life and everything, but... 
I decided, well, maybe I'll make a map of all the barbecue joints in Kansas City. So I decided to do that. I created this uh, Kansas City barbecue story map. So it has all the joints on there and it has the history and kind of like the different characteristics of Kansas City barbecue. That was so much fun. I decided maybe I ought to go to Texas and do the same thing. So I went down to Texas and after that, I was hooked. I was like, okay, I, I need to go everywhere and do this. Uh, is that where Barbecue Tourist was eventually born out of? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I I, I uh, decided, well, I'll go to Texas. When I went to Texas, it was amazing. And then I was like, well, this is kind of a touristy kind of thing. So that's how I came up with Barbecue Tourist. How do you make a map? I've never talked to anybody that, uh, aside from Christy Vanover, who I think works for National Park Service out in the Nevada, you're the only yep. other person that I've ever talked to that has worked in a national park. And uh, on top of that, you're making maps. I mean, how the hell do you do that? You just do a ton of research. Uh, it's all pretty much online now. And uh, it's, yeah, it's all automated on on the web. So the cool thing about it is you can update everything pretty much instantaneously. You don't have to kind of redraw everything. And for barbecue, it was cool because I could add all sorts of information about barbecue joints. I could have photos and videos and update the information. Kansas City, surprisingly, I mean, the, the map that I made is a couple of years old. I probably have made like 20 to 30 changes on it. Um, places open and close, and it's just constantly changing. Do you have uh, an, an inordinate amount of free time at your disposal, Ryan, uh, given the, the job? Or do you have to be like uh, boots on the ground uh, fairly frequently in order to, to make sure you're mapping correctly? No, we, we have tons of free time. I probably shouldn't admit that. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of free time. Where Everybody thinks National Park people are out, out in the wilderness all the time. But, honestly, we're in the office like 99% of the time. <laughs> I am fortunate that I get to travel a lot for my job since the Lewis and Clark Trail is pretty much almost nationwide. Um, and that's great for me because in the evening I get to go try new barbecue places. Uh, Ryan, would you say that you are more of a traditional Southern style barbecuer or griller or mix of both? I would say, yeah, I would say more traditional Southern style. I do a little bit of grilling, but mostly it's, it's kind of low and slow smoking. Uh, what about you, uh, Sean? Are you more of a griller or a mix of both uh, with the traditional Southern style? I would say that it's probably a griller, but I, I, I hate to admit this, but I don't have a backyard. I live in Brooklyn, and it's incredibly expensive to live here, and uh, I wish that I had a backyard. So I uh, I usually help out at other people's backyards if they have them, um, or if I'm in uh, Kansas City or St. Louis, I'm uh, you, know, you can find me around a grill if I uh, have time for it. Um, so that's, you know, for me, it's uh, something that I would aspirationally like to have a backyard in Brooklyn, but uh, you need a little more cash for that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Sean Ludwig joining me here on the show. His handle, NYCBBQ on Instagram, and also Ryan Cooper uh, at BBQ Tourist on Instagram. You should follow them immediately if you're not doing it. And then, of course, the website, bbqnewsletter.com, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, all right, Ryan, so talk to me about how the concept of the smoke sheet comes up, and I guess perhaps more importantly, where does the connection with Sean take place? Well, that's actually pretty interesting. So I mentioned that I, I traveled down to Texas 
I was um, in line at Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, and there's this guy in front of me, and he's talking about barbecue, and I he seems to be um, just as crazy about barbecue as I am, and it turns out to be Sean. <laughs> so we're both from Kansas City. We both went to the University of Missouri but we actually met in line in Texas at at Snow's Barbecue, so that's kind of the birth of the the smoke sheet, at least uh, right there. So, Sean, were you surprised that somebody from a alma mater and from a, a state is right behind you that has the same kind of a passion? I mean, that's almost kismet. It really did feel particularly strange, but it also felt right. I was like, oh, okay, you're from KC, you like barbecue, you went to Mizzou, this is very cool. Uh, but we were around, I mean, that line is such an interesting line. And Greg, I know you said, I don't think you've had a chance to go do that line no. uh, yet, maybe one day. Um, but that line is full of people from all over the world. Hmm. I mean, so, but it was very cool. We, we actually, I think, talked to people from um, out of the country and from in the country and just, but it was karmic that we were standing next to each other in line and, you know, what a small world. All right, Sean. So talk to me about when the smoke sheet was, you know, more. So we see how it was kind of born just because you guys were aligned. But when does it actually start to take form, shape, uh, a genesis and get going? Yeah, I had had this idea kicking around in my head for a long time that I felt like I wasn't able to keep up with what was happening in the barbecue world outside of following, you know, cool people on Instagram, you know, reading, you know, several news outlets, just kind of keeping track of things. But I felt like it was really difficult to be like, here's what's going on this week in barbecue. And um, I just kept feeling like I was behind. I was always difficult to keep track of the biggest news, the biggest events. And I was like, well, why not create something that's weekly that you actually could help, you know, keep track of these things. And I didn't want to necessarily do this by myself. And so here I had met this amazing um, fellow barbecue aficionado in line. So I sort of brought this idea to Ryan. They said, what if we did this together? What if we used our powers combined? You go all over the country, certainly more places than I'm able to go. But, um, you know, I'm just as you know passionate about the subject as you are. Can we, you know, find some way to work together on this thing that we could really, you know, keep track and keep tabs on all the best barbecue um, podcasts, the best uh, barbecue videos, the best barbecue news, the best barbecue events? How do we do this? Well, we you know, we keep uh, we already keep tabs ourselves. But what if we keep tabs together? What if we come up with better processes to to keep tabs on everything? And um, and then we share our results with the world. Um, Ryan, how does the process actually work in a, in a week to week basis? Week to week. So what generally what happens is, you know, each week we release the newsletter. And after that, I like immediately that evening, I create the sort of the outline or shell for the following week's newsletter. And we have all the different sections in there. We start populating those. And then, um, you know, typically I, I, the first thing I try to look at is a recipe of the week because we thought that was really important to give to our readers. Plus I love to cook. So I like to try, you know, a lot of these out as well. Um, so start with a recipe, add to the events that are going on, and then start you know plugging in the uh, 
the best podcasts, the best uh, videos, books, and then all the news stories. And then Sean takes it from there. Sean, what are you doing to finish it out? I think the something that's also really important to the process is that we um, we basically have set a bunch of Google alerts and things like that to try to keep up with whatever's you know kind of buzzing around on the internet. And then um, throughout the week, you know, we're also collecting a bunch of interesting links and things like that throughout the week. So um, I think really the, the last piece of the puzzle is usually um, summarizing the, the most recent news about barbecue because we're trying to make sure that everything in there is really um, a week or less, you know, old and it needs to be recent. It needs to be, you know, timely. So that's something that's really that, you know, we need to kind of use the last mile of our process to work on that stuff. And um, so I think it's something I'm usually working on is looking through news, seeing if there's anything we forgot. Um, and then, you know, every once in a while, you know, it'll be the, the night before and we might have to change you know, the top story. If something really big happens on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, we may very well change what we're featuring is the top story of the week. And that, it, that happened, um, I don't know if you recall, this was a little while back, but uh, Bees Crackling in Atlanta actually um, burned down a yeah. very terrible fire on a Tuesday night in the middle of the night. We both heard about it when we woke up, and we go, this is a really big deal. It's one of the most acclaimed barbecue joints in the country in Atlanta. Let's work on figuring out, let's quickly put together something so we can make sure this is featured in the newsletter. And so, you know, you think about in terms of how the news works, you know, everything is so instantaneous these days, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so occasionally we have to, we have to, you know, follow that, follow the news sometimes. Uh, You know, there's only a few barbecue journalists, I think, that anyone has really even ever heard of. Uh, One is... Uh, the Barbecue News, uh, which has been around for 30 years or however long it's been. And then, obviously, the other is Daniel Vaughn, and that seems to be a little bit more um, of a niche, uh, especially Texas-based, uh, Texas Monthly, obviously. Um, so uh, do you think you guys are, are more filling in the gaps of uh, wherever these two entities aren't covering, or uh, how, how do you view it, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to start this. We we knew that Daniel Vaughn had Texas kind of covered, but there's a lot of other great stuff happening all across the country. And so uh, it was really important for Sean and I to to put this together so that we could we could cover all the other things going on. And we still have a lot of Texas content and I love Texas and we typically have Daniel Vaughn um, a story or two in our newsletter each week. We also have JC Reed from Houston Chronicle. Um, but uh, there's a lot going on, so we wanted to cover as much as we could. Sean, how many hours do you look like putting in during the course of a week, would you say? Just on the average. I feel like we're probably putting, um, I don't know, probably bet- each one of us is probably putting like 10 hours at least in a week on it. Um, because the thing is, it's not just simply putting the newsletter together. I think there's a lot of other components mm-hmm. to it. Uh, social media, um, emails, you know, responding to people that get in touch with us. I mean, I think there's a bunch of different components to it. Um, but I think, you know, um, it's something that we want to grow. It's something that we want people to, you know, to take seriously. And we put a lot of our time into it because we really believe in it uh ryan would you like to 
monetize this at some point? Is that like an end goal or is it just more growth and, and spreading of news and knowledge? Well, absolutely. We'd love to monetize this. I mean, it takes a lot of money and time, of course, to travel to all these different events and all these different places. It would be really great. Um, right now, I think we're really focused on growing, growing the newsletter and, um, you know, going to as many places as we can. But the, absolutely, the goal is to monetize this. Sean, what kind of a subscriber base do you have currently? Well, I want to add one more thing is we yep. do even have some sponsors. So we're already at the point where we're getting sponsorship from various entities and events that want to make sure they're getting highlighted mm -hmm. um, to our audience. So it's, you know, we are in the process of monetizing and I do think we're on, um, you know, the upward slope on that. So that's great. Um, now, you know, you've got sponsors, my friend. You are the, the sponsor king. Tens I mean, of thousands of dollars a month, by the way, if you that's were right. asking. All that's the, right. <laughs> private jets. You're the, the king, the king. Yeah. Right. Well, with that private jet, you should come out to New York more often. I just don't like <laughs> to travel, you know. That's what can I tell you? <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah, in terms of our audience, I mean, we usually like to categorize it by our total audience between three brands. Um, if you're talking about just the uh, the newsletter subscriber base, we're talking about about 1,500 current subscribers and growing every week. And then, you know, on social media across all of our different properties, I mean, we're talking about something like 50,000 because oh, wow. we have two web, we have websites, we yep. have uh, different, three different social media brands. So, um, you know, the audience is growing and we, you know, we just want to make sure that we're keeping everyone in the know and we have a lot of different vehicles to do that. All right. Um, do you guys see this being supplemented at some point by a podcast of your own or no way? Personally, I have no interest in podcasts because I think there are too many good barbecue podcasts that exist. We did a roundup of barbecue podcasts, and we've even gotten criticism for not including things. And we're like, there's just so many good ones. It's hard to like actually include all the best barbecue podcasts out there, um, including your own. Um, so I think um, it's a challenging landscape to want to enter into it now. What about you, Ryan? Uh, same kind of a thought process there? Yeah, I have no no uh, desire to do podcasts. I think if we do anything branching out, it'd be um, a video, something with YouTube maybe. But podcasts, no, there's already too much good stuff out there. All right. Uh, sounds good, gents. I'm going to put you on hold here just for a second. I'm going to do a piece of business to make my tens of thousands of dollars each month. And then we'll come back and talk about some hot topics in the barbecue and grilling community. Uh, I'm going to talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the number one online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. Get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com. Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers. They got something for every kind of outdoor cook. How about the rubs, right? Everybody loves them. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition trail and in the backyard. 13 perfectly balanced flavors to choose from. Also, if you're a competitor and you want to give that West Coast offense a try, hop on over and try some of the Simply Marvelous Barbecue Rubs. You can put those together with the Big Pop Rubs. Now you have a West Coast offense and you're off and running. Now they also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're looking for a new go-to rubber sauce, try the uh, Big Papa Rubs, try the Simply Marvelous Rubs, try the Granny's Barbecue Sauces. 
And on top of all of that, they're selling cookers, too. How about a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet cookers, you can take a look at that Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you don't like either of those, just go to the website and see what else they have. If you have an ugly drum that you've thought about converting to an ugly drum smoker, Big Papa sells a ugly drum smoker conversion kit. He can help you finish that project. It's clear that Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. If you have any questions, give them a call. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We're back with more Ryan and Sean from the Smoke Sheet right after this. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And as luck would have it, this portion of the show being brought to you by the Smoke Sheet. How about that? Want to know what's going on in the world of barbecue, including top events, news, recipes, and more? Started by my guests, Ryan Cooper and Sean Ludwig, both of them traveling around and finding the best barbecue news and then reporting on it. You can sign up for the newsletter and see full events on their barbecue calendar at bbqnewsletter.com. That's bbqnewsletter.com, a great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me through the break there. Um, Let's talk about some hot items that are going on in the world of barbecue and grilling um we were talking about if there was any interest in in podcasting you know daniel vaughn had started a podcast in 2018 like uh, i think it was like february marches of last year made it all the way through to december of last year no new episodes in 2019 Uh, no surprise to me for a number of reasons but uh, what about you guys you surprised that it it has uh extinguished itself that quickly sean I'm not surprised given how much there is going on in the barbecue world. And then he's writing so much and he's traveling all over Texas, which is enormous. I just, how does he have time to sit down in the studio and work on that each week or every other week or whatever would be this kind of schedule. And, um, you know, it's just, if it, if it's this time amount of time consuming to do it, um, his, you know, vehicle for social media and Texas Monthly gives him plenty of audience. And so is it worth it to spend that amount of time? Maybe not. Did you ever listen to it? I listened to a few episodes, but I think there weren't that many episodes to listen to. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, maybe a dozen or less. Um, uh, <clears throat> Ryan, were you surprised to see his podcast go away? No, not at all. Uh, did Did you listen to it? Uh, no, I can't say that I did. You know, the thing, I did listen to it. Um, I I love to listen to all barbecue podcasts. I solely listen to all barbecue podcasts so I can immediately start hammering them and figuring out how bad they suck. And uh, trust me, there is a vast landscape of barbecue podcasts that sucks. In fact, most of them suck. Suck really bad, by the way. But there are a few. 
that I actually will listen to while I'm running in the morning or if I'm having an exceptional amount of windshield time in the car. Uh, for instance, uh, How to Barbecue Right for Malcolm Reed is a really good one. Um, I actually probably am one of the few uh, that like, uh, what is it called, the the Tailgate Barbecue Grilling Guys or you know whatever that show is. Uh, that's a Kansas City-based show. Uh, the hosts are kind of a fuddy-duddies, but they're older dudes, I guess. But their production is good, and I think, you know, by and large, it's a pretty good show. Uh, but after that, it kind of falls off pretty quickly, although uh, Certified Angus Beef just started a new podcast called Meat Speak. I don't know, uh, Sean, have you uh, heard of this yet? Meat Speak is not on my radar. Okay. Ryan, what about you? No, Ryan, listens, Ryan is uh, actually spends more time in the car than I do. Yes. And so I think he's got more time to be listening to podcasts than myself. But I that one's not hasn't been on my radar. Yeah. So I think yeah. they might be uh, three or four episodes in. Um, obviously, it's a brand that could probably benefit from having a podcast because they have a crazy amount of access to food and scientists and the business aspect and celebrities and spokespeople and all that. So I think they, they have a, a good base of being able to start a podcast, but we'll see how it goes. The production value is uh, pretty decent there. By the way, I mean, certified Angus beef is in Worcester freaking Ohio, one hour away from me. Do you think that they would have lobbed somebody a phone call like an hour north and said, hey, we're thinking about putting a podcast together? You should help me with it. No, I don't know what I ever did to these to these guys, but oh my god! So that's like the newest one out that I've heard. But I mean, like I said, it's there's just so much crap out there when it comes to barbecue podcasts. That it can get a little tiresome. Um, let's change topics and go to what has to be the most ballyhooed topic in the live fire cooking industry right now: plant based. Protein. I don't want to call it plant-based meat because it's not meat, but it's plant-based protein. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on where plant-based proteins are now and where you see it uh, in a year from now and five years from now? Well, what I will say right now, I, I have never really had, like I haven't had Beyond Meat or the Impossible Burger or any of that. Ever? Uh, never. Wow. No. I, I've, had, I've had those soy burgers that, you know, like 10 years ago. But uh, it's not. It doesn't sound that that interesting to me. I think, however, I will say I think um, th- there's so much growth potential with that. They're just going to improve the product. It's going to get better and better. And um, even though it's kind of a fad right now, I I don't think it's going away. I don't think it's something that's just like you know, big now, but going to disappear. I think it's going to continue to slowly grow and just be a different alternative for people. Sean, your thoughts on plant-based proteins? Uh, I did try Impossible and Beyond. Uh, I preferred Impossible to Beyond. Um, I do think that it's going to get better over time, right? The I think that those are just two companies that are in the limelight, right? It's just part of the conversation. But when it comes to this, I think a lot of um, you know the bigger companies are looking into it and how they can provide uh, products that are you know of comparable or better quality. So right now, the product's not that healthy. The problem, I think, is that it's very processed and. It was funny that, um, 
even I think Chipotle, a company like Chipotle, was like, "Sorry, it's too processed. We're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna do it." Yeah, we're it's too, it's we're making enough. everybody sick like three times a week, <laughs> and they're shutting down our stores because yeah, we like, don't know how to no. hold things. But we're not gonna use that. No, uh, yeah. that, which I think was very funny. But um, I did <laughs> recently try uh, Pure Farmland. Is that on your radar, Greg? Now, the only other one I think I've heard is like uh, Jardans or um, uh, they have an ad running during the Howard Stern show on Sirius XM. But that's the only other brand besides Impossible and Beyond. Uh, Pure Farmland is uh, is a subsidiary of Smithfield. And when you've got um, a company like that investing in plant based proteins and um, planning to offer it, you know, around the country, you know that it's got steam. And um, I did try. I had. I was able to try some of their items, and uh, I did actually think it was quite good. Like it was tasty. I didn't feel like I was, you know, being served an imitation burger. It was. That wasn't even a burger. You know, these are these different kinds of products are going to take every kind of form. And if you think about it as a cuisine, right, is uh, you could take a, a, a vegetable that doesn't taste very good, and then you actually prepare it. And then it tastes good. Well, why wouldn't we do the same with all of these different kinds of plant-based proteins? We will, you know, actually going through the process of transforming it into a, into a dish will actually make it taste a lot better. So I don't know. I think that right now it's in its infancy and it's going to become a lot bigger in the long run. I think the long tail for this kind of thing is it, it's big. Um, and I do think that, like, when it comes to like something like you know the Impossible Burger and Beyond, that's a fad. Mm-hmm. That's something that doesn't matter. It doesn't feel like it matters in the long run. You know what becomes what comes after it is what's going to actually matter in the conversation. Ryan and Sean from the Smoke Sheet joining me right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Uh, BBQNewsletter.com is the website. Sign up if you haven't already. Uh, one of the other topics I wanted to talk to you about, and it's seen a, a good steady growth here since its inception, but uh, has really exploded in the last two or three, maybe even four years, is pellet cookers. Uh, Sean, are you a a pellet cooker fan to whatever degree you're allowed to be a fan of? I'm a fan of it in the sense that I think it's a good way to get started with backyard barbecue and adding smoke and wood to what you're working on the backyard. I think that barbecue um, in the backyard can be pretty pricey. I think, Greg, you've probably experienced, you know, wanting to buy something really awesome. But then you're like, well, it's pretty expensive, right? So um, I like it in the sense that let's say I want to find a cost effective way to add more, you know, smoke flavors into what I'm working with. I don't hate it because I've actually had even recently was able to try some uh, some food that was made on a pellet grill um, down in St. Louis. when We were at Q in the Lou and it was delicious. It was like once somebody who knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. using this tool to make food and it was it was good. Like, I think if you just kind of recklessly use it, well, then, you know, or you're using one that isn't built well, then it's not going to be good. But if you know the tool well and you're using good products, well, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be part of the conversation, especially if you're just getting started. Ryan, you a fan of pellet cookers? Well, I don't have a a pellet cooker myself, but just like Sean said, we were down at – Q in the Lou in St. Louis and uh, Green Mountain Grills was there. All of the demos on the demo stage were Green Mountain Grills. Everything that was made was Green Mountain Grills, and it was fantastic stuff. 
So um, I know that you can produce really, really good barbecue on a on a pellet cooker. Um, having said that, I was also we were also at the American Royal recently talking to another team and uh, pellet cooker right behind us caught fire just like pretty much almost exploded like right there. So I think there's some not as good products out there and then there's some really good ones as well. Hmm. Uh, do you think uh, over the next five or 10 years, you'll can see it to take market share from whatever else is existing out there as far as cookers are concerned? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's just growing. Another thing that happened at the Royal was uh, Weber really was pushing their, their new uh, pellet cooker that they're coming out with there as well they had kind of announced that so i know if they're getting in the game that the pellet cookers are here to stay sean you uh also buy in that pellet cookers are going to be ramping up market share over the next five ten years i do yeah. i do think they'll ramp up market share but i don't think it's necessarily going to um you know be like the dominant uh tool but it will be one of the many you know different kinds of tools you can invest in uh, Ryan, let me ask you this because I know you get around a little bit more than Sean. From a competition barbecue sense, um, five years ago we were probably at the apex and it was just everybody wanted to be a part of it. It was on TV in good ways and it was uh, what I've now referred to as the golden age of competition barbecue. Are we in a still rise? Are we in a fall? Or are we in a stall of competition barbecue? We're definitely not in a still rising situation. Uh, it's it's at the very least stalled out, maybe maybe even falling. I think um, you know we we're seeing a little bit less interest. I, I wouldn't say it's it's unpopular, but it's definitely right. not growing like it was. I think it's kind of plateaued out a little bit. Um, I think where we are seeing growth is really in things like the steak cookoffs. I mean, those are. Those are really interesting and fun events. Um, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of growth in in the kind of food competition world, not so much in competition barbecue. Ryan, do you attribute anything to the to the stall or decline specifically? I, if I had to, if, not a competitor myself, but if I had to guess, I'd say the cost is a huge uh, issue. It's really. It's really hard to break into um, barbecue competition if you don't have a lot of either money to play with or a lot of sponsors. Everybody's using really high quality meat, really you know high quality smokers, and it's it's expensive. I mean, it's extremely expensive to c- compete in barbecue. Sean, do you have thoughts on the competition scene at the moment? I think this is related to what Ryan is talking about. And I was kind of thinking about this when I was at the Royal. I didn't see a lot of younger people competing. I see a lot of older dudes doing this and families doing this, but um, I want to see more young people coming into this. And, um, you know, we had, there's the, there was the kids Q competition, which is really cool. And you have younger, these kids with their parents kind of helping them a little bit and guiding them into making cool things. Uh, but then there's, you know, where are the, the 20 year olds doing this? Cause they're not there. Yeah. And so if there's this gap that, you know, you compete when you're a kid and then you compete when you're in your 50s. Well, where's the where where's the where are the younger people? I'm sorry, but it's 
you know, either that the the accessibility is not there, it's or it's too expensive. Um, it's difficult to get started, right? If it's too expensive to to walk in the door and do this, well, then you know you have to almost be a little bit older and settled into your life to want to go compete. So does thought so. process follow that in ten years as the nine and ten year olds that are cooking kids queue right now get to be 20 and it's expensive uh, could we see a continuance of decline in competition barbecue popularity i think you could you could see a decline um however i will say i'm encouraged by um you had the new ceo of kcbs yep. on the show yep. Um, as somebody who's a little younger, has a fresh set of eyes on um, on KCBS, for example, um, I'm encouraged that this is being looked at, that they're treating it with that level of seriousness, that they want to bring a, a, a diverse group of people into competition barbecue and perhaps make it more accessible. All right, uh, Ryan, let's talk about barbecue television for a second. We had referenced barbecue pitmasters a couple minutes ago. Do you think You'll see barbecue television again in its uh, uh, successful form that we saw it in a handful of years ago, or not so much. I don't think so. I don't think um, you're you're definitely not going to get back to the popularity of barbecue pitmasters on TV. Um, where you might see some growth is um, on sort of the the web shows. I know that there's one out called BB Quest that's on. Um, one of these, it's on YouTube and uh, Beef Love in Texas YouTube channel. That's a really good show. Uh, there was Barbecue Brawl and um, some other ones that were, but they're they're. It's just not quite as uh, big or successful or talked about as Barbecue Pitmasters. And uh, Myron Mixon actually mentioned this at NBBQA. Um, he was talking about, you know, they have a backlog of so many barbecue pitmasters episodes. They could just pretty much run those all the time, yeah. and they don't need to make any any new ones. So, unfortunately, I don't I don't see that uh, kind of picking up on TV anytime soon. Sean, similar mindset. I think it's a similar mindset. I, I, I don't foresee this growing, um, except I think it could on the web. I think you could have all new different kinds of series uh, could grow in popularity. And there's also so many streaming services now. I mean, you got a new Disney competitor and you've got Netflix and you got Hulu and all these other things. And, you know, it's cheaper to produce effectively reality television than it is to do scripted shows. Mm -hmm. So why not more um, barbecue shows on those platforms as well? All right, uh, last question before I turn you guys loose tonight and a stellar debut, of course, uh, certainly expected. Uh, should Guy Fieri be in the Hall of Fame, yes or no, Ryan? Oh, should should he ever be in the barbecue should or he, should he should, currently Should be? he have, well, I mean, either way, should he have ever been in and since he's in, should we get him out? I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, I don't think he should should have been in right now. Correct. I think, uh, that is the correct answer. Go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. I, I I just think there are so many other people that deserve to be in there. Um, so I'm going to say no. Right. Let's get him out of there. Uh, Sean, uh, should Guy Fieri have been in the Hall of Fame? And now that he is in, should we try and get him out? 
I think there's a case to be made that somebody who has had one of the most successful food network programs of all time visiting, I don't know, upwards of 60 to 70 local barbecue joints around the country and making them staples in their communities is somebody who's done good work for the barbecue community. And as much as in this community, uh, the food world, he might be looked at as, you know, kind of a funny guy and not really a serious guy. He's probably made about half of those joints still stay in business because he featured them on the program. So um, the fact that I was able to go to Leo's BBQ in Oklahoma City, and it's a true rundown kind of joint, but really authentic and awesome. And it was featured on, you know, uh, his big program or whatever. And these places still exist probably in a way because they were featured on his show. Um, these are local joints. They're not chains. They're local places. And without him having done that, who knows where local barbecue would be in a lot of these communities. So yes or no, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes or no? I'm going to say yes. You're wrong. <laughs> Great argument. Completely wrong argument. That's all right. That's- uh, we are talking with uh, Ryan... Cooper and Sean Ludwig from the Smoke Sheet, bbqnewsletter.com is the website. If you haven't subscribed, get over there. We have a new issue coming out tomorrow, right? It's every Wednesday, I guess. That is correct. That's right. And then follow them on social media. Sean can be found at NYCBBQ, and Ryan can be found at BBQ Tourist on Instagram. So give them a follow over there as well. Guys, as I had said, a great first appearance, and look forward to doing it in soon. Thank you so much for having Thanks me. Thanks a lot, Greg. You got it. There they are. The guys at the smoke sheet bringing it strong. And boy, that was a well-reasoned argument that Sean had for Guy Fieri uh, being able to stay in the barbecue. I mean, obviously, uh, none of us had anything to do with him getting in there, but that was a, a very well-reasoned argument for. I've never heard anybody make an argument for. Well-reasoned. I did consider, in the end, wrong. 100% wrong. Well-reasoned. I love a well-reasoned argument, and Sean and I can stay friends. That's what, I, that's, what, that's what nobody can do anymore. Like, if I was like most people, I'd be like, oh, I hate Sean forever now. But no, I'm going to continue to like Sean, and we'll just disagree on this. We'll continue to forge our friendship into the future. Let's wrap it up. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, now uh, we are back. And wrapping it up. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Stephen Reichlin, Barbecue Hall of Famer, creator of BarbecueBible.com. Talked about cooking pumpkins on embers and 10 different squashes, where he likes to go in New York City. The list goes on. Robin Lindars joined us after that, GrillGirl.com at GrillGirlRobin on Instagram and to be TikTok. Fried iguana tacos. She made them and ate them and said they were great, by the way. 
She has new iguana recipes coming up for next month, and she's competing at the World Food Championships coming up on Saturday, so we wish her good luck. And then in the second hour, we had a full interview with Sean Ludwig and Ryan Cooper, NYC BBQ and BBQ Tourist on Instagram, respectively. They are the creators of the Smoke Sheet. BBQNewsletter.com is the website. That's BBQNewsletter.com. Great show planned for you next week. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month, so you know the embedded correspondents are going to be in, amongst others. So stay tuned for that. Emily Detweiler is scheduled to reappear on the 29th version of the uh, on the uh, October 29th edition of the Barbecue Central Show. So stay tuned for that as well. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.